Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from BBC Studios, the commercial subsidiary of the BBC. You're listening to Season 3 of the TalentWorks Podcast, an interview series with digital talent brought to you by Helen O'Donnell and me, Brona Monaghan. Each week, Helen and I speak to the best in the business when it comes to digital talent. Here at BBC Studios, it's our job to discover and nurture the next generation of talent, who've built their audiences online and are evolving and innovating the media landscape as we know it. Riyad Khalaf is a man of many talents. He's a TV and radio presenter, YouTube content creator, author and podcast host, as well as having an encyclopedic knowledge of marine biology and aviation. He knew from a young age that he wanted to be a broadcaster, placing a godlike status upon the voices and faces of those he came through his radio and TV screen. He honed his presenting skills through stints at various local and commercial radio stations in Ireland and then moved to London where he got his TV break fronting the BBC documentary series Queer Britain. Since then, he has hosted BBC Radio 1's hit comedy podcast Unexpected Fluids, which was nominated for a British Podcast Award in 2019. And in the same year, his first book titled Yay, You're Gay, Now What? was released in the UK and US and became a number one bestseller. Here's our interview with Riyadh, recorded at our unscripted retreat in collaboration with the BBC Writers Room. This recording contains some strong language. Hi Riyadh, welcome to the TalentWorks podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Ah, we're delighted to have you. We're in a bedroom covered in blankets because it's freezing in the retreat. I know, it's gotten a wee <laughs> bit chilly. The sun was was glorious yesterday and it hasn't yeah. come out today, but it's fine. The sun is shining in, inside the house. Um, so I wanted to start off with, so obviously you're from Ireland mm-hmm. um, and I share the opinion that Ireland is a very culturally rich place artistically. How did you find growing up and was it a creative environment for you? Uh, yes and no. I think growing up in Ireland as um, a young gay boy with a weird name um, and a kind of an unusual personality in terms of, you know, I was very interested in how whales had sex and stuff like that, you know, the natural world. And um, I found it really hard to get work in the early days. And I was always sort of um, beyond my years and in, in my ambitions, um, which led to a lot of frustration. So I my early beginnings in, in media were all self-made um, pre YouTube. So I, I set up a pirate radio station in my bedroom, bought the equipment on eBay mm. and, and started broadcasting and learning my trade. Where did that interest come from? I just was always anytime I turned the radio on or anytime I turned on the telly, I just thought this is not a, a human I'm watching or listening to. These are superhumans that have been selected by the radio gods to be the one who broadcasts. And I, I always found the idea of your voice or face being beamed through the air into homes as like a glorious, magical 
honor. Mm -hmm. So even now when I go into a radio studio or I'm holding this microphone now, that's an honor Mm -hmm. because not everyone gets to have their voice or ideas amplified like that. So I remember it was like Davina McCall on Big Brother season one. And here we have someone who's doing presenting like I've never seen presenting before. She's got personality. She's got charm. She's got charisma. She is cheeky as hell. And um, she's not speaking to us. She's speaking to me. And that kind of sparked something in me. I was like, I want to I want to do that. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. But it was always so unattainable. You want to be a pilot, go to flight school. You want to be an accountant, go and learn accountancy and do your exams. But to be a television presenter with authority, no one knows how to do it. It's not such a clear path. No, you might as well want to be an Oscar winning actor. It's so um, I I spent a long, long time crafting and learning the trade and um, going from pirate radio into commercial radio into YouTube um, and then eventually making the jump to the UK. I think it's interesting when you say about, uh, you know, these these gods and how to get people get uh, picked to mm. go onto these places. YouTube, you sort of commission yourself. Yeah. So how, what, what was that process like? So did the original sort of tag name for YouTube.com was broadcast yourself. And that in, in itself is kind of taking away the gatekeepers and the rules and the the pitching and you can make your own mistakes and your own successes and reap the rewards and you know I I was on uh, youtube.com and I think this site was only a year and a half two years old on dial up internet watching a guy called Tyler Oakley and he was in his college dorm talking into a camera and like Davina I thought this person speaking to me he's my friend and I've never met him and this is amazing and also I can do it better (laughs) Um, and like little egotistical prick that I was Um, sorry can I swear well I just did Um, and so I went and I bought a camera uh, from the local, uh, you know, electronic shop and, and the ca- it was a webcam with a microphone built in and it was awful. And I started editing these little skits done in my back spare bedroom using, you know, any piece of clothing I could find to kind of become a character. And I sort of started in sort of sketch comedy and then it moved into like uh, personal anecdotes and lifestyle and and real factually type stuff. Um, but with no budget and not outside of that little box bedroom. Um, uh, but it was extremely freeing mm-hmm. as a young gay guy who was being severely bullied in school and had to stay quiet for fear of being attacked. Mm-hmm. The That bedroom and that platform gave me the voice that I couldn't have outside of it. So was that almost like therapy? For hugely, you? hugely. And the sad thing is, the thing that was giving me such therapy and and um and a voice was ripped away from me when the the bullying began to leak into my safe space, mm. which was the internet, and I was getting death threats and all sorts of abuse. And this is before there were any uh, user safety policies in place to protect content creators. They exist now. So it was it's a war zone. Mm. You put yourself out there, you're fair game for whatever comes your way. And I remember I was getting all this homophobic stuff coming my way, but I didn't even know that I, I was gay. So I went to the police and I was trying to get help. And they just said, look, this is awful. But the best thing you can do right now is just stop making videos. 
and I did for seven years. And then I basically um, went and studied radio. Right. So I, I, I sort of re- reverted back to traditional and did that. So for, you did YouTube before you started working in radio? I kind of, I did the pirate radio and, and a, a one week work experience in my local okay. station. And I was doing that while I, I got the camera to do the YouTube thing. I was just greedy. And I was not waiting around. I was just, I had to do it. But you've got a face for TV. Oh, thanks, babes. You know, I always get on first date, it's like, oh, you got a face for radio. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, that's not funny anymore. No, absolutely. You got the voice and the I'm face. Because I know I'm gorgeous. Because <laughs> exactly. I know I'm absolutely stunning. <laughs> it's interesting when you say about that duty of care. So we're at a retreat at the moment and... Um, Tammy, the creative director of Fact Hemp, was talking about duty of care on mm-hmm. TV. And I think it's interesting that you're right, YouTube in its early days had no duty of care. No. And the authorities that were governing the region were completely uh, powerless to this uh, big, scary thing that had just arrived called the Internet. And even now, there's, we're still a decade on trying to figure out how we protect the user and how we police such a thing and how much policing is too much because the joy of the Internet is it is kind of in a way um, the, the, the free democratic. democratic place. Good content will be seen and will be uplifted. Bad content hopefully will not. Um and it gives you a chance to, to like I said, craft your, your voice and find yourself. What What is the offering that I want to, I want mm-hmm. to give? Because I went through all sorts of iterations of who is Riyadh? And it was sketch comedy. And then it was, I want to be a shiny floor presenter. And then, oh, I want to be David Attenborough. I knew a huge amount about marine biology. Um, oh no, I want to do stuff only about aviation. And now I'm kind of finding that I love, I love docs mm-hmm. and f- that have a fact empty element where you will laugh and you will learn in equal measure and there's a huge takeaway and a strong narrative arc but also it can't be confused for anyone else's product it's very very you know and how have you got how have you got to that point so you started um working in radio yeah and then you moved to London. Yeah, so I was I was doing radio in Dublin, commercial radio, and it's no secret this this story. I'll tell it quickly. Is um, I had rised through the ranks from like researcher to assistant producer, producer, then um, presenter, and doing bits on air before that as well. And I, I, I it was on my a week before my nineteenth birthday, they put me on air, and it was like this is it. Like I've made it. I don't need any more than this commercial station in Dublin because I, I've been listening to this station since I was a child. I went on air, did it and, and I grew and grew and grew a bit more. And then eventually I was doing quite a lot of on air and the um, boss of the station, he came up to me um, at a Christmas party. No, wasn't it? So I can take that out. I'm just trying to make some of the details. Uh, the boss of the station, he came up to me at a station party and he said, Riyadh, the show's doing really well. It's rating really well. You sound um, great. It's just, it's just one thing. If you could just do this, it'd be fantastic. If you could just sound less gay. No. That'd be great. Yeah, that happened. That's absolutely And shocking. I was 
taken aback because you have to remember I have been through all of these years of trying to find my voice, craft my voice, get over the bullying in school, get over the bullying online, the death threats. And I finally, finally felt like I had overcome it and made it in one industry that I was dying to make it in. And here we have this man who held my dreams, my future, my everything in his hand, gatekeeper, saying, well, what you are isn't what we want. What we want is an edited, contorted and false version of you. So do that, will you? Otherwise, you're out. And so it really hit me hard and it, it, it hit my confidence. And the days and weeks following that comment, I could hear myself on air not being me. I'd lost my funny. I had lost my authority. I had lost my passion. And the resentment that must have built up. Mm-hmm. Because he personified the... Th- hundreds or thousands of arsehole bullies on and offline that I had had over the years in one person. So how can I respect that? And that was the beginning of the end. And I, I in tandem, had been kind of doing um, a lot of uh, anchoring as a showbiz reporter for the mm-hmm. station. And I had felt that that position that I had been put into and and I mean, I happily accepted it. Mm. You take any work you want to get. But I've been given that because I was seen as a, a gay man. And that's what a gay man does. Showbiz and gossip. And some people are very good at it, but it's not my thing. Mm. You know, it's uh, it, talking crap about Kim Kardashian's ass and has it changed in size and shape in the last week is not my m- purpose in life. Um, so I, I, I was... M- to get my creative kicks, I had gone back onto YouTube after those seven years and I was making stuff again and trying to find my voice. And I had about four or five viral hits. Um, and it was really weird that I was having to report on my own content in the showbiz and entertainment roundups because we had like a trending section and my videos were number one or number two trend. Oh, and it's me again. So it was really weird. <laughs> like the, the drive time presenter was very still a very close friend of mine and he would kind of soften the awkwardness of it by going... It's really weird, but we got to say it. It's reality. Come on, it's you again. So, um, and those videos led me getting a, a job offer with a, the world's biggest news outlet, online news outlet um, in London, a website that we all know and, and love to hate. And I went, I left uh, to earn three times the amount of money in a gorgeous big city. And I was going to change them from the inside and make them super liberal and lovely. And um, I lasted three months mm-hmm. in the role and I left um, and I, I began just living solely on the, the small amount of money I was making on my YouTube channel. And it was very precarious and scary for about a year and a half. And I was literally living on the breadline. I I was at one point I had to ask my mom for money and I just don't ever want to do no. that. And then uh, I got my first BBC series as a surprise. Um, Queer Britain on BBC Three uh, documentary series. And that was kind of where things started. And did you feel you had a support system at that time? You know, did you have a mentor that you could that could advise you or were all of your creative endeavours sort of all up to you? My agent, actually, uh, who became my big sister and my creative and professional confidant and my cheerleader. And because you can go to your mom and your dad and, and whinge and moan and be upset, but They'll just tell you, you're great. We know you're great. But every parent's going to say that about their kids. So you don't really listen to that. You need the love. But Aoife, my agent, who I had been with from day one, when as soon as I moved to London, was kind of helping me craft the product that I had to offer and, and kind of making me believe that 
you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and that there was um, something for me to offer. How did you meet Aoife? Oh, it's a lovely story. Again, a quick one. So um, <laughs> the day I was leaving Ireland, I was going to do this this journey with this online outlet and hopefully build a, a TV or radio career off the back of it. Um, very scary. I had left. I landed in Heathrow with my life in, in three ba- bags and I was at the carousel, um, you know, waiting to collect them. And I just was bored and I was checking my, my phone and I had an email from... Uh, Aoife Rice at United Agents and she said um, hey Riyadh my name's Aoife I represent so and so and so and I work at United I knew instantly who they were because they represent Tom Hardy James Corden Kate Winslet Ricky Gervais like you can't get bigger than these people and she said I've been following your work for a long time now uh, quietly and I just saw your tweet saying that you've left Ireland to move to London are you by any chance looking for representation should we get a coffee and I was like on the edge of tears like I I had just gotten off the plane and here I am being handed an agent with a prestigious company Um, so I jumped at the opportunity and but she actually was very good she was telling me to put my brakes on and and actively look for other people before deciding that she was the one and I lied to her and I told her I looked for other people but I didn't (laughs) I said yeah yeah give me two weeks give me two weeks and I kind of was like yeah I went here and I went there but I think you know we should sign and we did yeah and and it was great it was actually I was having all these changes in my career and and geographical location but also Aoife had gone from being an agent an assistant agent to um, a a larger um, more established agent to now being given her own chance to build her own roster Mm -hmm. so we were sort of entering this new chapter together and figuring shit out and she's just been wonderful that's so nice because I guess a lot of creative people they they tend to hold things in because they're so close to their ideas mm. and I think it's and, and YouTube creators particularly some people don't like to have management they don't like to have outside forces but I just think when you're so close to someone mm. or something it's good to have that outside perspective someone who has your best yeah. interest at heart but that can you, you respect yeah and that can kind of this is the thing like I, I'm constantly pushing Aoife for you know to, to be cruel with me it's not in her nature mm. but I'm like just be fucking blunt tell me <laughs> is it a shit idea we gotta know and she she does yeah. and it's really really refreshing um, and so I've, I've got her she's my agent I've got Mark who's my, my sort of day to day manager mm-hmm. um, and more sort of on the digital side of things um, and then hopefully soon I'm going to bring in um, a publicist um, maybe case by case like for a book or then for a TV show and, and we'll see Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt Now imagine them getting even softer over time That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets In a recent customer survey 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And also, I wanted to touch on the fact that you are a big inspiration, a big role model for the LGBTQ community. What does that responsibility or sort of what does that feel like to you? Um, I've actually just recently found a nice sort of um, way of managing that weight, because in the early days, when it begins to happen, you become what I like to call an accidental activist. Mm just by you living and being and having your stuff in the public eye online or on radio or whatever, you, like I said, accidentally become the voice of a people. And you might not have asked for that mm. and you might not be equipped or educated enough or, or, you know, so you've got to kind of quickly make a decision. Do I want to lean into this or do I want to pull back and kind of become um, a, just a, a civilian who happens to make stuff? Mm. And I kind of thought, well, why not? Like if if we as as a, a minority group aren't taking the reins and telling our own stories in the mainstream, then who the hell is? Because it's certainly not going to be big studios telling our stories in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen so many misplaced and, and like bad narrative stories in film and TV that are trying to do good for the community so I kind of was like I, I know this I got this let's go and and it, it took a few years of kind of becoming woke and um, looking beyond the cisgender white gay man bubble that I was in and um, you know deciding to write my book was a big part of that because um, yes. th- that I was getting thousands thousands of emails and worries and queries and questions from queer people all over the world of all ages and backgrounds desperate for advice on everything from how do I have safe anal sex to how do I come out to my homophobic parents to how do I not get honour killed in this country where my identity is deeply illegal and frowned upon. So the book was a way for me to answer hopefully 90% of those um, worries and questions in one Bible form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's why I did it. But how, how I cope, just quickly, how I cope with the weight is by um, not putting too much pressure on myself to be everything for everyone at all times. I am a human. Mm-hmm. I have mental health issues I have made mistakes I'm constantly making mistakes and I sometimes need to just sit in front of the telly and eat like really bad food and lock the door and have a mental health three days with my cat um, and, and that's okay um, and that actually is more um, relatable for that audience so you got to let them into that as well as the good stuff well, that's. I think you always do things as sort of light and dark, and that really is what I think makes you um, so likable. Um, and because I mean, I kind of use that word, that responsibility, because for a lot of creators, as you said, they don't ask for it, and it is a huge. I mean, they really put people put you on the spot, and you get these comments, and they're and they're really dark. And so having something like your book, which is almost not now, you can sort of 
almost like read the book everything's in there hopefully every question has been answered yeah. because i imagine it could get it can get quite overwhelming i have a mechanical rule as well which is like it probably seems quite you know black and white but it helps <laughs> if i get a cold message from somebody i don't know and it's a general query about something that i could probably answer um I, I try not to favoritize one person over another. You can't answer all of them. So I generally don't answer if it's coming into a DM because mm. then you open you open um, a, a dialogue, a, a dialogue. And, and you've got to be careful because I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. And the advice I, I can give is limited. And sometimes it has to come from a professional. Right. I'm just live, going by lived experience. Mm -hmm. And that's OK up to a point. So the only point really I'll jump in is if I'm getting a message and I can sense or I'm blatantly told that that person's uh, life or well-being is, is, is immediately at risk. At that point, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll do a little bit of friendly, um, you know, disarming and um, uplifting stuff. And then I'll, I'll quickly kind of point them in the direction of the most suited organization, be it Samaritans, LGBT switchboard, Terence Higgins Trust, um, uh, the Trevor Project belong to, you know, yes. depending on where they are in the world and what their immediate issue is. And so I also want to talk about the fact that we're on this retreat, mm. which is all about uh, immersing talent like yourself into unscripted formats. Um, and so obviously you've you've had your, your book out. You also host a podcast for BBC Signs um, and you're very much in that unscripted world. Uh, tell us a little bit about sort of what your expectations were before coming here. I came in with an open mind and I actually was most excited about getting out of London and seeing some greenery um, because actually living in, in that bubble of, of toxic concrete can be very uncreative and uninspiring. And there's all the noise of being in an, a, that anxiety bubble can kind of kill what could be the next bake off in your head. So I um, I came to sort of chill out first and foremost and, and hopefully let the creative juices flow. But what's happened since is the people that you've put me in here with are just a, a gorgeous, gorgeous bunch of individuals. They're, they're the best of the best in terms of poster children for um, the online talent pool. You know, I think we get a bad name um, as a as a group for being kind of, you know, selfish and disconnected and um, entitled uh, and maybe not that talented. But I think what you have here is we've got such a, a creative group like there's authors and activists and um, presenters and producers and filmmakers and they're very good at it. But I, I think the one thing that is, is constant between all of us is we haven't necessarily been, in inverted commas, discovered. Mm. The, the big, big break hasn't necessarily happened yet. And I think all of us, you know, I can definitely speak for myself, is that I'm so bloody hungry to finally be given the project, which is the one that aligns so closely with my talent, that it just rings true and is the beginning of an ongoing, never-ending, programmable um, thing. What I think is funny, though, is 
what is everyone's definition of success? Because when we chat to all you guys and you talk about what you've done so far, you actually ha- you've had multiple successes. And I guess it's it's funny because you've you've created this audience that is so valuable and that um, TV people are dying to access. Mm. But yet there's still over here the space that everyone believes is the credible space to be in. The goalpost is constantly moving. Yeah. yeah. Not just in terms of the industry but also in terms of the individual level. So my, my, like I said, when I did that first radio show at 19 on commercial radio, I told you at that point I didn't need or want anything else. That was my ultimate level of success. After two shows, the goalpost had moved. (laughs) I don't want to be on a a 5am on a Saturday morning. I want to be on drive time. And that was what I, I strove to get. And And that's okay as long as you allow yourself to enjoy the journey and to really relish the moment that you're on air. I'm recently I I, I covered on Radio One Early Breakfast, Adele Roberts's show um, for the first time. And younger me would have been like, great. Yeah, but what's next? When can I have Scott Mills? When can I have that? (laughs) Um, But I really, really consciously forced myself to feel the desk, to smell the studio, to hear the music, to hear my voice and to just live it because Mm -hmm. what a wasted experience. And I had to remember, Riyadh, this isn't just a gig you got. This is 10 years in the making. And maybe the controller who put you on air doesn't necessarily realise the weight of this but you do Mm -hmm. your family does your friends do your colleagues do your old colleagues so really value it so for me at the moment right now uh, as we sit here the 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 definition of success is creating um really really bloody entertaining television that makes people laugh and learn like i said that is returnable repeatable that is unique in a way has a nod from previous formats or previous talents, but it's definitely me through and through. Um, and that is not just me as talent, but is is a co-production between, say, yourselves, BBC Studios and my own fledgling tiny production company, The Hook Media. Because then I'm not just a, a face on the telly saying shit that I've been told to say. I am deeply involved and it's my idea and we're making a collaborative thing because when you're an online creator you are for the most part a solitary being it's very very lonely Mm. and one of the biggest things that I'm dying to have in my life again is a team and the camaraderie and and the kind of collective celebration of look what we fucking did Mm. look at this thing you know and I want to win a BAFTA one day. And an Oscar would be nice. <laughs> and so why not? you got to put it out there, you know? Well, that's it. If you don't if you don't put it out there, it might not come back. I yeah. always think there's... I read a book recently and it just talked that ideas are just floating out there and some people grab onto them. Mm. They're just always out there. And we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, development teams coming in and they p- pitch these ideas and then commissioners turn them down. The idea doesn't go away. It might be that just it's not the right moment for that idea. Which was hugely inspiring while I've been here because I've I've had endless ideas turned down. So if you're listening to this now and you have an idea and they've said no, it's okay. If you like it and a few other people have said it's good, it's probably commissionable. It's just got to find its spot and its time. Yeah, and its moment and that and that's when it would succeed. Mm-hmm. Because also sometimes when it's a no or a not right now, it's because now's maybe not the best time to launch that. Or just fiddle with it. 
you know, like take a bit out, put a bit of timeliness in. Maybe it's a talent, maybe it's a location or maybe it's a, a narrative beat that is is uh, got a news and current affairs kind of slant. I don't know, maybe a, a, a mission that the, the, that the programme and, and the narrative is driving towards. That's what you need. But, um, you know, I it was really, really lovely to hear that a couple of things that I'm very passionate about might not actually be dead when I thought that they were. We ask everybody that comes on the podcast, is there a piece of work or a talent that you've seen recently that's really inspiring you? It doesn't need to be in TV. It could be a book. It could be a YouTuber. It's got to be Davina on Long Lost Family. Um, it's one of my favourite shows. It's incredibly simple format, but it just works. And it's all of the ingredients that make that show great casting, great research, great on-screen talent, um, fucking gorgeous score, um, and and nice pace, and a sort of dancing between two stories that keeps you hooked throughout, and it just it's really it really um it's life affirming, and it makes me cry every time happy tears, so yeah I just absolutely adore 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 that show and there's a format that I'm, I want to pitch to you actually today later today that is inspired by that um, that sort of format I mean this story is so unique your mum had hand picked your adopted it, it, it was it made me feel so much better about myself mm. but it must have broken her heart mm. well it did break her heart <gasps> and I know that because we found oh my god <laughs> really? Yes. I can't believe it. I'm trying to think if there's something else. Um, 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 um. I, I love, um, at the moment, there's a lot of, um, there's a resurgence of feature docs, which is sort of where I want to be eventually. Um, and Netflix are killing it. You know, presenter-led or ob, ob, obdocs, is that what they call it? Ob, obs, docs, observation. Um, I'm just getting sucked in and... I, I just think that the budgets that they have and the um, the talent that they're putting on it, making something that is both cinematically stunning to look at, but also has the story to back it up is wonderful. Because I think up until now, we've either had a great story that's shot really in an ugly way mm. or a pretty thing that has no story. This is the, the two coming together. So they're, that's what I like. Have you watched Three Strangers? Or three identical strangers. I've seen the trailer. You need to watch that. This is about triplets yes. that were split and then came back yes. together. And it's that stranger than fiction mm. thing. And and, and a kind of coming upon that moment. And I think that came from a news article as well. I'd also recommend The Keepers on Netflix. A, a story about um, a convent school in, in the States where there was a sexual institutionalised sexual abuse going on. And then it came out about 50 years later. And it's just absolutely gorgeous even though it's a tough subject beautifully made well we're gonna have to wrap up because we are going to go into our next wonderful session but Riyadh, for anyone that's not already following you where can we find your content and um, so just go online all of my socials and my youtube channel can be found under Riyadh k so r-i-y-a-d-h-k um uh, my podcasts are uh, on bbc sounds uh, so one is uh, unexpected fluids <laughs> uh, warning it's quite sexual and the other one is Random Men Pay My Bills 
limited series about financial domination and my book is on Amazon or any place that you can get books. It's called Yay yeah, or Gay, Now What? A Gay Boy's Guide to Life. Fabulous. Thank you so much for I having me. It. Thank you, Riyadh. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the TalentWorks podcast. For more interviews like these, click the subscribe button and you'll be notified when our next conversation goes live. Or you can follow us on Instagram at BBC Studios TalentWorks. See you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.